Hey guys, welcome to the number one podcast uh, in the world, um, particularly combat sports in general. But uh, it's a sad day. Well, it's been a sad couple of days for boxing and MMA because Jake Paul actually managed to knock out Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really agree with the stoppage. Um, I felt he was fine. Got up. Uh, it was like around the six or seven count. He was up. Uh, ready to go. Yeah, he does look a little bit clumsy. He looks a bit awkward, but that's how Ben walks normally. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't agree with the, the ref's decision, but to be honest, I do see the point that, look, Jake's then is Triller's cash cow. I wouldn't be surprised if the if the ref was told to do certain things or if they saw, you know, if they saw Jake um, struggling just to continue the fight, hoping that maybe they can push forwards. And if Ben is rocked or anything like that, don't continue the fight. And that's the safest way to preserve their cash cow, which is essentially what Jake Paul is. He's Triller's cash cow now. And... Uh, it, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't agree with it. I didn't agree with it at all. But to be honest, you could see that Jake still had fairly sound fundamentals. Um, ben clearly got fucking caught because he just kept going towards Ben's stomach, kept pop- popping the shots off, popping the shots off. And there was one shot that did hit him clean and it was fine. But he then again faked to the body, went to the head, all the trick in the book. Same thing with the legs, kick him in the leg. Look at the leg, bring the leg up, hit them in the head. And and that's what happened. Ben Ben was expecting to block a body shot and Jake just came over the top and he just put everything into it and he, he knocked Ben down. It, it's, a, it's a sad day for um for combat sports in general because Jake really shouldn't be there. And um but the thing is, you know, you can tell he trained. He, uh you can tell he trained. However, the, the same thing has happened as the previous fight lasted not even a full full one round, right? We're unable to see his conditioning. We're unable to see if he's able to carry power in the later rounds. And we're unable to really see how sound his technique is because, I mean, you only get a minute or so. I think it was a minute 10 that Ben, ben lost the fight, so... Well, I, I thought he lost the fight, but it was certainly a technical knockout. And uh, I don't agree with what the ref did, but you, you can't really do much about that. I think uh, Jake, did. Uh, he set up a good shot. He set it up well. Ben fell for it. And um, <clears throat> not going to lie, Ben looked a little bit out of place, but he looks out of place anytime he's doing any form of striking. Um, and he, Jake picked a good opponent. He picked a good opponent to talk a bit of shit. <coughs> Apologies for my voice. <coughs> he he picked a good opponent for talking a bit of shit and building up the fight, but he also picked a good opponent for looking like they had just enough striking ability and a good MMA background to legitimize Jake. And the funniest thing was that Jake um, Jake was fucking crying afterwards, like he like he fucking defeated Floyd Mayweather right and then there's and then there's and then there's just finish a little passive aggressive ramp yeah I I will Rick guns you know I will and and then and then Ben and then Ben's laughing he lives legit laughing after I was like fair play Ben fair play okay you done yeah okay well, you weren't talking. You could have spoke. Well, I was waiting. I, you you get down a technical aspect side before I start ramp. First of all, I'm going to say, what the fuck was that? 
Mm. That was, oh, man, Ben, you had the world on a string. You had your one chance. It was hanging by a thread. And you're going to get fucked it up in, like, what, less than two minutes? Here's why. Here's some issues. I was I was actually on the ropes to say Jake Paul for a while. I was battling back and forth. But it was things that Ben was saying and he was doing that was out of place. First off, he was saying on Logan Paul's podcast, I'm not that good, but I don't think Jake is easier. So first mistake he ever made was he underestimated him. Second mistake he ever made was he didn't actually train any more than three months. He actually started his camp late and he said he would only do one more than like four or five sessions a week. Next up, did you see him on the scales? I always knew he had a dab, Bob, but I'm going to say that's the man who's going to take down Jake Paul. But, but he usually weighs in at, well, uh, in the past he's been middleweight at 185, yeah. but his best success was at 170, right? That's when he's had time to cut and things like that. <laughs> Came off. He said he after hip surgery he got as high as 215. Yeah. Because for three months he just couldn't do anything. Yeah, and then that's another thing. <laughs> he took the thing, he didn't even know who they were. He underestimated them. He came in on a short... Pretty much short notice after Jake had been training non-stop for over a while. Now, looking taken into account, i got to eat my words and say hats off to Jake Paul because I, of course, you know, I follow him on Instagram, I follow Logan Paul's podcast because I had to understand the amount of hardship that he was going through to get up to that fight. That was why he was so emotional, so let me break it down for you. Uh, he said that he never stopped training after he beat um, Nate Robinson. He had uh, he was very close with his security team. Yeah, Shadow died. Yeah, and so one of them died, and it said it really, really affected him. And then he had some... Now, I don't want to get too deep into this because it's a very sensitive topic, but a TikTok star, I believe, came out... And, and some accused, allegations. Yeah, some allegations. Look, but it, I, I'm not going to... Like, say, oh, it's lie, it's truth. I don't know. I don't understand all the information. All I know is, is I thought the timing of it was very strange. Why come out, like, literally four days before the fight? It, d it just doesn't make any sense. So he was on a post-fight interview saying, oh, the amount of hardship he had to go through, and that's why he got so emotional, and now he's dropping off the radar. But, man, like, he... Let's talk about the fight for a second. The knockout, what the fuck was that? I thought, Ben, you've been hit by four-ounce gloves from train killers who were stacked, and he mm. took a lousy one-two. I think he threw, like, one or two clean shots, like he said. He, he actually he actually caught Jake at yeah. one point with an overhand, but we all know Ben's got pillow hands. Yeah, um, not even that, yeah. but, like, who the hell was that referee? And that referee was just... Oh, what were you doing, mate? He... He, when that knockdown was scored, he got up, I think I counted, he got up on the sixth or seventh count, mm -hmm. calls Jake over, and he's going, no, 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 back up. No, no, come over. No, 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 back up. And then he's saying to Ben, you good? You good? And he takes one step, and it's a slight stumble, and then he calls it off. And I'm like, surely you've uh, never to, refereed. To be honest, you've never done an MMA fight in your life, mate, because I reckon if that was an MMA referee, that would have gone completely the other way, be like, no, nah, you're good. Well, usually boxing judges tend to just see, all right, you're able to walk around fine, yeah. things like that. Um, look, look it, it's very, it's very, very weird. Um, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't be surprised if Trill actually did mention to the referee, look, if Jake's in trouble, you push it on a little bit. If Ben's in trouble, you call it off. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was so. Because, but yeah. it, it is a sad day for, for boxing. Now, obviously, he's worked very hard yeah. and, and he's had a lot of stuff going on and things like that. And Ben worked very hard too. Obviously, a little bit short notice, not but <laughs> not enough. Not, but not to be not honest, hard enough. No, when it hard enough. He just, 
he was too lax. He was too relaxed. Maybe a little bit too relaxed, yeah. but that's what's made him have his best performances. He's always said he's not attaching his the outcome to his ego and being very relaxed and not dealing with any of that anxiety before any wrestling MMA matches and things like that. But, yeah. you know, I, I, he went and said, oh, I'm sorry, well done, I let the world down. And I really don't think he did let the world down because a lot of people, all, look, Jake, Jake was the betting favourite. Jake was the betting yeah. favorite. Everyone in MMA was hoping Ben uh, Ben won because uh, Jake's not a likable character. He knows that himself and he plays into it to market. He's very good at marketing fights. Um, and everyone's hoping Ben wins because Ben is an MMA fighter. Obviously, I don't think Ben... Ben never had... Uh, wasn't really fighting for MMA. He was just kind of fighting for himself. And to be honest, the main thing for Ben is... Look, he came out there with a smile on his face. He was fine. And he got a million dollars, right? Yeah, if yeah, we think w- if we think <laughs> about it now, Rob, Robert Whitaker, and we'll bring that up later. Robert Whitaker beat Calvin Gaslam, and he got around, I think it was around 450, 500 grand yeah. for that fight, right? That was a beautiful fight, a real display yeah. of proper martial arts, right? And Ben got a million dollars. It was about, it was about, I think it was around. It was like it was like seven hundred grand plus pay per view points, yeah. which almost came to close to a million dollars, right? Yeah. Um, plus, Dana White hates him even more because he lost like one or two million off the bet, you know. But uh, but the thing is, um, Dana's got way more money than that. Yeah. He, that that's that's nothing. Uh, Dana's most likely got about maybe four hundred to five hundred million dollars. So, yeah. uh, it's. Yeah, if you've got almost half a billion in, in the tank, I, d- I really don't think he gives a fuck, which is yeah. why it was so easy to be like, yeah, I'll put up a million. He doesn't care. He's just a impulsive, and he likes to bet. He's he a, like, he a, Dan, a, bet. Oh, a gambling guy. Well, he kind of has a gambling problem, but um, he's, <laughs> also, he's also very good at it. He's very he's, good, he's at good at it. He, cle- yeah. he cleans out the casinos. Uh, well, um, I, I do want to bring up Triller, though, specifically. Okay. That was a pure shit show, and uh, I want to I sing that. So... They had so many musical guests in there, Justin Bieber and things. Like, I find it so out of place. This is not uh, a concert. This is not a festival. Yeah. This is an MMA fight, right? I like, I like the blend of the musicians only when it's for like a walkout. Like yeah. when we had um, Conor McGregor, he had um, Sinead O'Connell actually. That was cool, and that was so cool. And there was like there was almost a there was an intense atmosphere there, yeah. right? It, it just it's so out of place they had like some i think was it slap wrestling or yeah or they, oh. they had some slap boxing whatever the fuck they were doing then they had they had some of the commentators were talking shit about ben and then pete davidson comes into the other room and uh, and is actually saying no ben i actually hate jake paul fuck that guy he's yeah. got eight guys in there i'm just i'm just talking a little bit of shit and, and the worst thing i think was and i, I hope you did see this oscar de la hoya uh, well, to the two ones, well, Snoop Dogg just off his face. Um, swear, <laughs> so Oscar. Oscar. Uh, he's got a genuine problem yeah. because he just kept on going, baby, baby. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm coming back, baby. I just, they didn't even get proper commentators to commentate the bloody they're, 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 They have no skill. Uh, Oscar Del Hoyo has genuine skill, right? Yeah. Proper drug problem. It's like this. Let's take a boxing <laughs> match, bring down the boxing and enhance everything else that goes around it. And I'm just like, what is this? This is a circus. You're more, more, you're more focused on singers and you're more focused on celebrities yeah. than you are the actual sport itself. And that's just why I thought it was a bit, bit strange. A bit strange. Not even the boxing fights were that even, even, even that good. It was just 
I'm it was quite cool. poor. It was quite I poor. Think they're just trying to make it more main. I think they're just trying to make it more mainstream, more for the casual fan rather than diehard boxing fan. I find I think that was the real goal. Yeah, and the, the issue was, and I saw. Look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what Chael Simon said afterwards. He was said, "I'm really gutted and really sad that Ben lost. Yeah, but I'm so happy." That fucking garbage Triller <laughs> shit show is over. Yeah. So, and that, yeah. that's the thing. Like, Triller. And, and he made a good point. Triller got 1.3 million pay per view buys, right? Which is quite a fair bit for something like that. Although it does play into boxing, you, you know. Um, and, and when you compare that to Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, which was mainly centered around that fight, they did have the Michael Chandler versus Dan Hooker. However, it was mainly centered on just Conor and and Poirier fighting, yeah. that did 1.6 million buys yeah. quite easily. So the thing is, they poured so much money into that just to get 1.3 million buys. Doji Cat, Justin Bieber, Snoop Dogg, Pete Davidson. Yeah. They've got all these people and, and they did a huge amount of, of work, right? Yeah. Triller's going to think they have a real thing here. They're going to think, I got 1.3 yeah. million buys. It's just because it simply worked. It simply worked and they had Ben, who was the right dancing partner and had the right amount of charisma and talking while Jake was on the opposite end playing the bad guy like he usually does. They're going to think they have a really good product here and I'm telling you right now, it was garbage and everybody knows Triller was garbage. It was so bad. Yeah, I find that just Triller has a lot of money and just throws at the wall and sees if something sticks. Uh, Teofimo Lopez, he lost, he left uh, top rank and he's being promoted by, um, by Triller. Triller actually outbidded and uh, I think they're paying him like oh, six million. Yeah. Something like that. And that, I think that's USD. So look that it will, it will be six million USD for Teofimo Lopez to be under their banner. There was even Chuck Liddell. They're, they're, they're paying and they had Sean O'Malley as well yeah, parting with Jake Paul. It was very weird. Very strange. But essentially Triller just has a shit ton of money and yeah. they're just throwing at the wall and seeing if something sticks. And they got 1.3 million buys on that because... Everybody hates that Jake Paul kid, and well, and everyone wants to see someone a shit a striker like Ben Askren to beat him. Mm. They they've just got money and they just made the most garbage product, yeah, right? It was well, just it was it was very poor. Okay, it just it comes down to perspective. If you're like a what's the bet? If you're a social media influencer, you know, and you're someone who follows them, you follow all those stars, and you want to be in that clout gang and that you know get famous in there, that they, they would loved it. But if you're like a diehard fan of the sport and, you know, you're actually... Uh, if you're a proper fight fan. Yeah, if you're a proper fight fan, you'd be like, what is this? But I just think like it's just a try. Triller's trying to appeal to the younger generation because if you, if you take the audience and if they're under the... A lot of them probably, I don't know, if they're under the age of 21, you they're know... Probably around 14, 15. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> and then using their mum's credit card to buy it, then, yeah, they were probably trying to target that audience by having people who they'd know. Because if you look at the rest of the card, I doubt they would have known most of the people on there. And not even that, but it's just that they're just trying to get that demographic because they know that really, really diehard fans of boxing and study that sweet science don't want to watch Jake Paul. They want to watch Canelo Alvarez. They want to watch... Uh, was it Lopez? They want to watch Lumachenko. They want to watch the real stars of boxing who have dedicated their lives to the sport, not some guy who's just been practicing it for three years and all of a sudden he's making millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but pret- pretend boxer. But listen, from a business standpoint, I'll say this: makes sense. 
it makes sense. I, I know we can be a little bit biased. You know, I'm biased perspective. I have to just give a little a, a bit of credit to Jake. Look, he's got millions of dollars. He's 24. He 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 kind of did prove that he does have some boxing skills in a fundamental base. Mm. But you know, you know, he just you know is flashing. Oh, I'm going to the strip club. Dana, where's my two million? And you know, he's got this adversity. And so he just came out the other side through perseverance. And I'm just going to give him that because. I'm, I'm just trying to not let my ego get the best of me for a second. Anyway, uh, do you have any final? F- Wait, no, we got. But I'm gonna flip on that now because he's going mad on Twitter, just calling out everyone. Yeah, well, Cormier went and said like, um, "Look, it was kind of weird because I, I saw. Uh, have you seen the behind the scenes uh, in the in the locker room where Jake's getting his hands wrapped and he's got his cheerleader squad there and one of his pals, um, I think his name." Jay Leon Love, um, he was talking shit to Tyron Woodley. And Tyron Woodley's just standing, yeah, he's standing there. Um, what was he saying? Uh, he's just basically saying, like, I, I I don't play and blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, he, he's just, he's just, he was being a bit aggressive and talking a little bit of shit. And, uh, and, and Tyron's just standing there, very chill, because he knows. And he could he could crack all of them. Yeah, crack all of them. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because Jake, Jake, all of a sudden, and like, and he was trying to hide it because he was stuttering. But all of a sudden, he had a little bit of confidence in front of eight his eight pals. Like, stop, dude. There was only one person there. There was Tyron Woodley, and there was eight other guys, and and Jake Paul, and and Tyron's so unfaced. He's like. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't see that video. No, no, no. Uh, so essentially, call me saying, "Don't, don't play. Don't all right, play, don't, don't play. play because Tyron Woodley will, would beat the shit out of you, yeah. right?" Um, and this J. Leon Love is actually, you know, he's <laughs> he's getting a lot of hate. Everyone's commenting like the clown emoji uh, oh, on yeah. Twitter. He he says, "Look, I'm built for hate. I can take it." Um, he was also saying, "Fuck you" to Cormier. <laughs> Cormier was going back and forth with Jake Paul. Jake Paul said, "All right, I'll I'll fight you, fatty." Um, oh. And Tyron Woodley can fight uh, can fight Love. So, look, it, it's very very strange because um, a lot of people are also throwing out. I think I saw John Attic, uh, John Anik throwing out. I want to see. There's so many different MMA fighters out there on the roster that could definitely smash Jake Paul. Why not? Why not throw like someone like Mike Perry out there, right? Yeah, uh, and then. <laughs> And then uh, it, it was shown that they, they were all going, oh, well, Mike Perry got already beat up by Jake Paul, uh, inspiring. I'm like, mm, no, I, I don't, I don't think that. that's true. And I then don't think that's true at all. There's Dylan Danis going back w- and forth with... Um, Jake. He's with just Jake and his coach, BJ Flores, um, yeah. saying, send me the contract, I'll fight him. Yeah. My knee's all good now, let's fight. Yeah, he even put out the DMs, you know what I mean? They were saying, there was a big argument that Jake was saying, like, oh, your knee was fine in the first place. Why were you running after me when I threw the water balloons at you? Which was saying it's a fair point. But... He wasn't really running, was yeah. it? He just kind of, like, trotted over. Yeah. Um, there was just, there was a lot of, there was, there was a lot of back and forth for weeks between the two. And then Dylan kind of... Went on um, Andrew Schultz's podcast. I watched that. Yeah, yeah. I watched that, and he sort of gave. And I feel like Dylan did give a good explanation to why knee his knee's important. I it would be a one one and done with Jake Paul. Um, why did he would he want to like yeah. rush and sacrifice his knees 
condition if that's the case yeah yeah it's just it's so weird it's such a it's a fucking dark time for uh, like mma and boxing because you're actually entertaining these people just like just leave them be yeah because look he wins by people talking about him everybody's talking about it we're talking about it every Mm -hmm. podcast is talking every combat pardon me every combat sport (laughs) podcast is talking about it every casual podcast is talking about it and it gets views it gets it gets views, it gets clicks, and that's why. And he's just now, he's, like, absorbing all of that into his fan base. Like, he's now more popular than ever. Yeah, and uh, it, the right thing to do is just not give him that time of day. Yeah. Because, to be honest, uh, just don't do it. You're, <laughs> you're going to... Look, uh, the, the, I just, like, if, if Jake really wants to prove himself... yeah. Either fight an MMA or a boxer that comes from a striking background, yeah. right? And somewhere near your height and weight, okay? It has to, if it's MMA, it has to be a 185er or a 205er, right? Because Ben was a 170 pounder yeah. and you made him fight, fight you at 190. Yeah. And B, you make sure you're somewhere within your decade of your age range. You know what I mean? Even fight Tyron, because Tyron's a big 170. Tyron's right? a fucking beast at 170. Not even that, but he can crack. He's always got that overhand right. But, even, I mean, not even that, but hell, maybe if DC even stepped in there, I reckon he'll still beat the crap out of him. Like, DC is such an accomplished striker from American Kickboxing Academy. Yeah. And plus, he's also, you know, top tier wrestler. But he didn't even spot a boxer, I still reckon he'll crack him. Anyway, it, ooh, uh, ooh, it's just it's just weird. It's just fucking weird. You know what? Sorry, Dylan Dennis out there. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, the MMA community doesn't really want Dylan Dennis out there because he's not really part of the community. He's two and zero, and the last time he fought was like 2018, 2019 yeah. and Bellator, right? And one of those wins was over like someone two and four. Yeah. So look, he's not. He's don't get me wrong. He gets paid well in Bellator, right? Yeah. But he's not fighting very good people. Uh, his grappling is amazing, but his stand-up is not good. Uh, it's not good at all. So, look, Dylan Dennis versus Jake Paul actually might be a bit competitive, to be honest, just because I do not rate Dylan's skills. But if they really want to send someone, they, they need to stop like th- throwing like people with less and less striking ability. Yeah. Right? Throw him in there who's like a legit fighter, knocks out Jake Paul, it's done. Just it's a more legitimate striker yeah, just who will take this more seriously and who understands what's at stake here. and yeah. Just just has a striking ability and is not out of their prime yeah, yeah, or yeah. off hip surgery, things like that. Um, but they played very well. Jake, Jake, Jake did very well and very good at marketing the and, fight. And that's the last word. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about some... Real fight news. Yeah, real fight news. Okay, Jack, take it away, man. <laughs> um, so McGregor and Diaz have been going back and forth. Um, look, Diaz has been saying that, oh, look, Nate, uh, Conor McGregor, he was to also bring up the McGregor Fast program as well, but he was yeah. saying, look, um, I should make my own, like, Diaz, my Diaz Fast program, my Diaz conditioning program. Um, just basically talking shit about, like, you know, where was your where was your conditioning when you fought me? And then McGregor bounces back, says, Look, that was pre that was pre uh my program. In our second fight, you clearly saw that 
I was in way better condition and your face looks like a bowl of salsa afterwards, <laughs> which is, I mean, fair play. Um, and, and then Diaz is going back and forth and just accusing him of steroids again. Yeah. Um, and steroids. then and McGregor was also, and this ties into some stuff that McGregor also asked Jeff Nowitzki over Twitter. But M- McGregor was also saying, uh, look, Nate, you also tested positive for for steroids, yet you're calling everyone out for steroids. It was, it's been a bit weird the last couple of days because they're always going back and forth, yet they've both got fi- They only started going at each other when they both had fights booked. McGregor had his fight booked. Yeah. Diaz had his fight booked. Uh, I don't understand why they're going at each other right now because they can't fight each other anyway. They've got booked opponents. It's, it's weird. Maybe they're just trying to keep that hype going, you know. I don't really... I um, think they genuinely don't like each I other. Mean, they respect each other, right. but they don't like each other. They do not like each other at all. And I feel like that's just what's trying to get them a little bit more attention to go on because I, I believe Diaz's fight is coming first. Then it's Leon, De- Leon Edwards, yeah. So I reckon they're just trying to stir up a little bit of beef, maybe potentially for the trilogy. Yeah, maybe put their head in the yeah. uh, their, their, their name in the headlines as well and just build up their own name and get a little bit money, more money for their own respective fights. But the thing is, McGregor also put out stuff to Jeff Nowitzki and said, look, and he posted some, uh, he was doing some circuit training yeah. uh, and he was doing some, uh, he was just on like one of the ab machines, just doing doing crunches on, on there with, and he was... I don't know. It was just it was very strange um, afterwards because he was saying, "Look, after my workout, I went and got uh, I went and got urine and blood taken by USADA. Um, where's my Where's my jacket for like fifty clean samples, Jeff Nowitzki? I want to wipe my ass with it." So, <laughs> and, and, and then because because he was also bringing up like why Why do we not get to see who tests positive? Um, you know, test positive for some type of metabolite or steroids. Or, or a peptide or something like that. Why don't we get to see that in the news anymore? It's very hush-hush. And he was just saying, look, that, that is super, super weird. And then that brought in like the Nate Diaz saying, look, you're on steroids and all that. This yeah. is what steroids does to you. And, and Connor's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I've never tested positive for steroids. You have. So it's all very... Uh, look, I know that they respect each other. If you, if you fight someone twice... And, uh, I mean, the first fight, McGregor won the first round. Diaz won that second round, obviously, because he's, he uh, choked him out. Um, he was very, very gassed at that time. They have a very competitive fight in the second the second fight. McGregor wins, uh, I believe it was one, two, and four. Yeah. And then Diaz won round three and five, I yeah. think. Um, obviously, the narrow decision since it was a majority decision. I th- still think it was unanimous three to three to two rounds, but if you to go through all of that, you have to respect that person, and we know that they respect each other. They just fucking hate each other, yeah. and why not do a trilogy in the future? Look, imagine how weird that would be when Diaz, if Diaz was to be Edwards, and I don't know if that that's that doable. That's a that's a, that's a conversation that, for another day. That, but that is a tough fight, right? Yeah. Um. Imagine if later down the lines they keep winning, they keep winning. They have another fight at 170. Oh. Because all of their fights so far have been at 170. For their first and second fight have been at 170. What's the likelihood of Diaz going through Edwards, getting a little bit further up in the welterweight rankings and McGregor moving up to 170? I don't think it was a smart move on McGregor's part because he's not a 170 pound. He's very, very small. But uh, I wonder if they're trying to look very far in the future, perhaps in the next year or so, and build that fight up. 
the slow burn of the fight. Yeah, what's what's their intentions? Because obviously McGregor's got this fight book with Poirier and now they're not in each other's good books after this whole money thing we talked about in our last podcast. But if uh, if he wins, what does he want? Does he want a title or does he just want more money? Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. Diaz ain't going to be fighting for a title anytime soon. You know, he... <laughs> They'll never have the bad motherfucker rematch. So what? what what's it going to be for? Does he just want the trilogy to end? I mean, like, kind of just ticks off the trilogy. They call it the trilogy, man. You know what I mean? I yeah, I don't know. Question for you. This is really weird, but it, a trilogy happens here and there, right? Mm-hmm. But who's been a fighter that has had two been a part of two trilogies? Um. I think that's a good question. Matt, that, really, Matt Hughes. Okay, yeah, he had a trilogy with George St. Pierre, didn't he? It's a it's a hard no. point to put on, but but Matt Matt Hughes and BJ Penn, and I I'm blanking on the other trilogy that Matt Hughes had. I do get what you mean, though. Um, what about what about Frankie? Frankie Edgar, yeah, he's had a trilogy. He had with BJ Penn. he had BJ Penn and Maynard. Okay, Gray Maynard. Yeah, there you go. So okay. it's been done before. Yeah, it's done before. But it's so very uncommon. Yeah, it's very, that's right. It's how rare it is. That's what I'm trying to go for. But then again... I don't think Matt Hughes had a trilogy. He's had rematches. Like yes. Several, but I don't, I don't think he's had a trilogy. I think he's had one against... So let's talk about this weekend's past fights. Uh, Robert Whitaker put on a beautiful display against Calvin Gaslam. I mean, pretty much... This weekend's card, the wrestlers or the area of fighting, no, which r- was wrestling, completely dominated that card. Uh, mm. A lot of split decisions, d- though. A yeah. lot of split decisions. It's not about even four just split decisions. Robert, but his training partner as well, Jacob uh, Malcolm, finally have, like really got to show off his skill set because he was the one who lost to Phil Hawes. On the uh, Khabib card, UFC 254. Yeah, and oh. now he came back and he did not let his opponent rest for one second. No. So yeah, pardon me, just grab a drink. That's all good. Um, just high output, just high output and yeah. pressure. And the same followed with Whitaker. He just uh, Gaslam does really well at closing distance and especially using that heavy left hand. Um, and he. Although Gaslam didn't do that well in 170, a lot of people have been mentioning maybe he should drop down to 170 because he's lost he's lost about four of his last five so far. Um, to be honest, I don't know if that's the right move. Uh, I, I could definitely see that happen in the future just because he's a little bit undersized at 185. But Whitaker just did so well. Um, I wouldn't say 10-8s, but they were 10-9s for sure. Yeah. Uh, consistently beating Gaslam. Now, when they were... When they were trading, you could see Gaslam did have the upper hand a few times. Um, yeah, let's just say, like, Whitaker, his wrestling has got so much better. He's so much more of a complete fighter. Yeah. Um, his, stri- his striking's got even quicker. Yeah, that sidekick to the knee, he was using really, really well to hyperextend his, his knee. And I was I was just super impressed. You know, anytime, he was just smart. Yeah. So smart at, at pulling away from the exchanges and just popping back into range. I think he did really well, especially with footwork. I mean, 
props to Gaslin because he was always had high output as well. Constantly, constantly going. Anytime he got hit in the face, took two steps forward. Always against Whitaker. And uh, you could tell Gaslin, he's very good on the offensive. But when he's on the back foot, that's when he starts to have issues. And when it's with someone like Whitaker, who's got very dynamic footwork, it's, a, it's an issue. It's an issue for Gaslin. And a lot of people were expecting maybe Gaslin to take away just because, you know, he does have that very, very fast left hand that can just catch you. But I'm not going to lie, Whitaker took a, a good f- a few shots. There, There is no one more well-suited for a title shot than Whitaker. He's, uh, we, we've said it before, even prior to this fight, he didn't really need to fight a Paolo Costa or a Gaston in order to be the number one challenger. He has been the number one challenger consecutively after these three fights. He was the number one challenger um, for... Uh, Jared Cannonier? Yeah, Jared Cannonier. Uh, he fought then Darren Till. Then he fought Calvin Gastelum. At the time, two of those fighters were in the in the top five. Now Calvin Gastelum was top uh, was number eight. Um, obviously, the rankings have moved around a little bit, uh, and now all of them are just just shy outside of the top five. Mm-hmm. But the the only person that was in the other realm of possibility for a title shot against Israel Desanya was Marvin Vittori, and I personally don't understand it. For for me, Marvin, he's on a five fight win streak after losing to Israel Desanya, opposed to Whitaker's uh, three fight win streak, right? But the quality of Whitaker's opponents yeah. are so much better than Vittori's. I mean, Vittori's look three of those fighters were unranked. And two of those fighters were just in the top 10. Now, one of them was Kevin Holland, late replacement, not Vittori's fault, right? But now Holland is now number 12. So not even in the top 10 anymore, right? Mm. So only one of those fights was in the top top 10, which was Jack and Manson. Look, and that was late notice as well. So Marvin Vittori, he's, he's done well. Right, and I could see him be a stylistically unfavorable matchup for Izzy, right? But he does not deserve the title shot over over Robert Whitaker, okay. right? Here's what Marvin should do, though. Marvin should fight Paulo Costa. Either fight Paulo Costa yeah. or to fight Derek Brunson or Jared Cannonier. Or, or one of those three, pretty much how I see, because yeah. Jared Cannonier has not fought since his loss to Robert Whitaker. And Paulo Costa's not fault since his loss to Adesanya. So whatever one of the two, it seems like a more better matchup. I don't think they should have to keep Robert Whitaker like waiting any longer. He said, hey, man, I think it's time we cross paths again. I think we can get a sold-out stadium. He wants to bring it to Australia. You know, that's good for, what is it, uh, Adesanya? Because he's a Nigerian-born, New Zealand-raised fighter. He doesn't have to travel very far. And the borders pretty much are starting to open up. I think it would have been a nice idea to have it over here in WA, just saying. Uh, over East, you know, you've got plenty of stadiums that they could have done because I'm pretty sure when Adesanya fought Robert Whitaker for the first time, it was over East, wasn't it? It was in Sydney. It was in Sydney. There you go. And they love to put on a spectacle over there. Uh, I'd love to see it here in Perth. Yeah. I'd love to see it in Perth because it's, it's not the first time that um, Izzy is fought in Perth. He yeah. he made his debut in Perth. Yeah. So I think it would be a really good um, way of him coming back to coming back to old roots, I guess, and and fighting Whitaker there since they're both. You're good. Um, they're both from you know 
Anzac Nations, Australia, and New Zealand. So uh, I would love to see that fight. Now, obviously, we'll postpone our we'll postpone our predictions for that fight in the yeah. future. I hope that it happens in maybe July or August. However, that might be a little bit too quick on Whitaker's timeline. I think he so said that the board is probably most likely will open up November in or something. Yeah. October, November. Yeah, no, October, November. Yeah. Because right now, everyone's kind of betting on the the next, uh, you know, this Marcel and Usman, and then we got San, we got um, San Hagen and Dillashaw, Rob Font and Cody Garbrett, Chandler and... Charles Oliveira. Oliveira. And then we got... Poirier and McGregor, McGregor yeah. after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think um, it doesn't need to be in July or anything yeah. like that. Perhaps move it a little bit further back, September, October, yeah. November timeline. I think uh, the sooner the better since Izzy fought in March. Yeah. Uh, probably just keep both fighters fairly active. Uh, yeah. Rob's had his fight in, in April. Um, look, I, he definitely deserves that title shot. He definitely deserves that title oh, yeah. shot. And I don't think anyone... No one deserves it better than Rob. And and I think that fight on the second time will be a lot different. And I actually don't see that going to a knockout. I see that going to a decision. I think think Izzy may may most likely win that again. However, Whitaker is very, very smart. And I think it will change up everyone's perspective on how to beat Izzy following the Jan Blakowicz fight. Do I think that... Do I think it's going to change a whole lot? Maybe not, right? But I think a lot of people have looked at Jan's performance against Izzy's as a little bit inspiration for what they can do in the future yeah. against him to win. Well, Izzy struggled against Jan on the ground. Rob has improved so much on the ground. He put on a dominant display of wrestling. Black so belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Gracie. There you go. So it kind of improves his skill set a little bit, so... I think he was trying. I think he was already preparing for the rematch with uh, Adesanya. He kind of had in his head that he knew where he was going, and he understood with the floor where there may perhaps there could be a potential hole in his game. So I think Rob's on the on track to. I feel like we're going to see a different, uh, very very different Robert Whitaker when it comes to his rematch with Israel Adesanya, like. Uh, Different Rob, but yeah. a different outcome. I just yeah. don't know if if it will change the winner. That's what I'm saying. Um, but I'm super excited. And to be honest, Whitaker vs. Gaslam, I think it's one of the best fights this year, to be honest. I think it was one of the best fights this year. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Just, it was just so... Whenever Gaslam took down Whitaker, as soon as Whitaker touched his bum, got back up. Mm-hmm. Right? And Whitaker, he's just... I, I can't praise Whitaker enough because he's so well-rounded. Striking's really good. Mm-hmm. His um his right high kick is very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his front leg um skipping side kick to the to the knee, mm-hmm. very very good. And is good at holding range. His uh his normal boxing is good. He's great in the clinch as well with his elbows. If he does get taken down, he gets back up against um against Yo Romero. Twenty eight uh, takedown attempts, seven succeeded, and on those seven. Touched his bum, got back up very yeah. quickly against Yo Romero, one of the one of the best wrestlers that came out of Cuba mm-hmm. at an Olympic level, right? And R- Robert Whitaker's got his own offensive wrestling that he's been able to utilize as well, and, and against Gaston as well. And he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't I can't say 
I can't praise Robert Whitaker enough. And, and the the issue is the fight against Izzy is against someone I really enjoy watching as well. So it it honestly it would be an incredible fight, and I think it should happen in Perth uh, instead of Sydney. I think it should happen in Perth because you're able to move up the timeline, and I think that I, I think that would just be it would be amazing. They would sell out, It'd sell out, and 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 you wouldn't have to worry about Western Australia since we hardly get we. When was the last time we got a, a case? Look, when we had that wee lockdown. We, were, we had a one-week lockdown because of one person that yeah. was a, a dodgy security guard. But Before like, we get into those like COVID conspiracies, like people saying, oh, I was a false positive. I was a real positive. Oh, he, he got it, but, you know, and everyone was tested. Oh, he wasn't tested properly. Just, just, just say, let's just say it was that one case, okay? Yeah, there, there was, it was a bit wish-washy on the information on, on what was going on. He tested positive security guard for like a... COVID safe hospital. You know, getting spitting in people's mouths and all that bullshit. What? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> anyway, because it was in a COVID um, hospital and he wasn't even paid. And apparently there was all these rumours saying, oh, yeah, they were cozying up. Or they were doing stuff or they were lax or they weren't being strict enough or they weren't wearing masks in the hotel. Look, there was like a million things that I heard that came out of that case. And I was like, well, everyone literally went to a conspiracy theorist in the space of a week. Yeah. But the point is that I think that we only had that one case out of this entire year so far. And then in the, the last past year, in Perth, it's been fairly good. It's been really, really good, especially in Australia, which has very low density, very low population. Um, so I think that Perth would be the best place since, you know, it's the best place to have it in Australia, safest spot and uh, it's the first place. It's the place where Izzy actually made his debut. So it's nice to come back to roots. Yeah. Anyway, so did you hear about the controversy, the the fight that was cancelled just yesterday, which was between Jerry Stevens and Drake? Uh, was it Draco Class? Yeah. His name was Cross. It was such a weird story behind it. Like I was reading about the whole idea. Yeah. That it came off the pr- when they had the face, the stare down. Jerry Stevens like pushed. Uh, Draker, and then it kind of all just went downhill from there. His health just rapidly declined from there. Yeah, he said he felt very dizzy, very woozy, incredibly nauseous, and the only thing that gave him a lot of uh, relief was closing the lights off and lying down in bed. And that, and and he's been given medication by the doctors, and the doctors have essentially called off the fight because they've actually had a look, and he's actually got a minor concussion and uh, a cervical sprain. Mm, that so does sound like a case of a concussion because. They're dehydrated, right? It's yeah, the worst place. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying like, it, whenever there's an issue like this, then they start to bring it to a little bit of extreme, which is, all right, fighters should never touch each other way. And I'm like, mm, no, uh. but it's not that bad, right? But they probably shouldn't be. Fighters are typically separated. I don't know why no one was in between Jeremy Stevens and, and mm-hmm. Jakar Kroos anyway. Uh, I don't know why. The only reason Jeremy uh, Stevens actually gave him a push was he said he got in my face. And I'm like, mm, got mm. in your face. Face off. Face off. Doesn't really make sense, right? And he's a bit of a nut, let's be real. Yeah, when he pushes people, they go to sleep, they don't wake up. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't fucking move, yeah. <laughs> but but that, that's that's the issue with, um, with with when it comes to these Waynes. You know, they're dehydrated, they're depleted. They're obviously very angry and agitated. They're ready to go. They're going to get angry and push each other and move around and things like that and when you're able when you push someone point blank like that uh 
he's going to snap someone's head back and he essentially just got whiplash, um, cervical sprain of the neck um, and a minor concussion. And essentially things that you don't want to have, obviously pretty normal stuff to have after a fight, but stuff you don't want to have before a fight because the doctors are not going to clear you. Uh, and essentially, I hope that that fight gets booked again very quickly. However, I do not know how long it will take to recover. It probably only will take maybe two weeks for, for Kroos to actually get a bit better, specifically the, the sprain in his neck. Although the doctors might be a little bit cautious because of the minor concussion and they want to look after anything to do with brain injuries. Yeah. But Stevens has essentially caused this himself. I haven't seen him apologize. I haven't seen him do anything like that. He's been fairly silent on social media, um, which makes sense. But he's, he's essentially fucked over himself as yeah. well as his opponent. And I can only see that becoming an even more explosive fight when they're in the octagon anyway. So I hope he gets booked again. But Stevens vs. Kroos is something to watch because I can imagine Kroos is going to recover, be even more pissed off against Stevens, and they're going to have a massive scrap because uh, Stevens is kind of, he's dropped the ball there and he's, yeah. he's made a mistake, but he's fucked over himself yeah. and he's fucked over his opponent. Because, you know, he didn't get to go on occasion, he doesn't get to perform. I'm pretty sure he's cut his pay as well because he doesn't really get to show up and it's quite a quick cancel. It's not the first time Jeremy Stevens has had an issue like this, you know, where something's happened to his opponent like there was an issue with the eye that was himself though yeah that was him that was himself he yeah. got he got eye poked by um Yogi rodriguez yeah and then, then they had the after that they had the rematch Yogi rodriguez beat him um yeah. okay ufc 260 um let's break that down now we've got uh usman versus masvidal we've got zhang weili versus rose number nunez uh, Shachanka vs. Andrade, we got Uriah Hall vs. Chris Weidman, and we got Anthony Smith vs. Jimmy Crute as a replacement for Jimmy Crute's, um, well, a replacement for his initial fight. I can't remember who his initial fighter, his initial opponent was going to be, but it, it's now became Anthony Smith. Um, but let's start off with Usman vs. Masvidal 2. Can you say, you know, confidently, do you think this will be a different, different fight or a different outcome? Yes and no. Uh, well, Usman was... Well, Masvidal kept saying six days. I had that six days. And then I was watching the countdown. And then my, uh, Usman was saying, oh, he had an inbuilt excuse. So regardless. But then what changed my mind was that Justin Poirier did like a little podcast. I can't remember who. But he said, look, Masvidal was always in fight camp. He was always really in fight mode. Mm. He was already in camp. He, he didn't just get off the couch and go fight Usman. He was already training super, super high. Now, I understand that to take to rebuttal on that is that, yes, a, a fight camp is very, very, very important. Um, helps them, does help them prepare a lot. However, we've seen cases in the past where people have taken fights in very, very short notice and still won against champions. Michael Bisping is uh, a clear example. So I do have a counter argument. Yeah, for that. so yeah, honestly, I want to hear it. But so the thing is, I do believe we're going to see a different muscle because yeah. his skill sets definitely, def uh, believe has hundred percent improved. But the I, I just, I'm getting. It's just, I feel like this six days noticing. Just, I don't feel like it's a good enough excuse anymore. The way I think about it, you know what I mean? I don't. I, I the six days notice. I see less on time to prefer to prepare yeah. and it's more so the six days notice is is talking about the weight cut 
Yeah, uh, he had to cut 30 pounds. Yeah, uh, essentially, maybe 13, 14 kilos, that's essentially. That's a lot, yeah. and, that, and that's a lot of weight to cut in six days, and that's got to deplete your cardio, yeah. which is what we saw Jorge was getting tired. Yeah. Uh, and it also depletes... You, you can't... You've got to focus more on cutting weight and less on actually training for a specialized opponent like Usman, who's uh, a world-class, world-caliber fighter. Um, so essentially, when I, when I think of that, I think of... Look, Jorge likes to eat. Let's be real. He can get a little bit huge uh, on his times off, right? And that's essentially what happened. Even though he was training very hard, I'm sure he was, but he's eating not the best food. He's obviously in an enormous caloric surplus, mm-hmm. and he's putting on a little bit of weight, right? He was 30 pounds over, which means he was around close to 200 pounds, Right. That's quite a fair bit for someone who's, I think he's around 5'10", 5'11". That's quite a fair bit for a fighter, right? Especially when you're still fighting consistently and fighting very hard, like Dustin said, right? He's obviously eating a lot of food. Did not expect the call. Got the call. Had to cut in in six days. And you've got to focus more on cutting weight, which already depletes your gas tank and everything involved physiologically. But to go in such a horrible caloric, uh, caloric um, deficit and then draining so much fluid out of your body, it's not going to make the best performance, right? Now, what he's now said is, look, I'm already on track. Mm-hmm. I'm already at 180 pounds. All I have to do is cut 10 pounds, which is my normal amount of weight that I usually have to cut. I'm ready to go. I'm right adju- just above cutting weight. I think he's around 178, 180 pounds now, mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to fighting Usman, all he has to do, drop the 10 pounds, Boom, like that. Yeah. Now, on the other side is Usman. Usman had a broken nose for that fight, yeah. right? Make it very difficult to breathe and things like that. Yeah, um, I think in Countdown, was then Justin Gage said, who broke it? Did I break it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it probably was Justin, to be honest, because he hits like a truck. Yeah. But but And he, he was also his main training partner. Mm-hmm. But look, there, there's stuff on both sides. I think it will be a different fight. Usman will be more prepared for a fight against Masvidal over Gilbert Burns, right? Less wrestling based, less ju- you know jiu-jitsu based, and more striking based. Then we've got Jorge. Will be able to you know actually have a full. Well, it's not even really a full to be honest. It's actually quite late notice as well. It's about six to eight weeks to train for it. Yeah, that's not a very long camp. I mean, the longest you want to do is maybe twelve. Yeah, but that's still a short camp, right? To to get ready, but he's much more prepared than six days notice i'm sure he'll be happy with that and he's able to cut less weight and i think that's where you will see a different a a different fight but i'm not too sure if it will make a different outcome i think masvidal will still lose to usman by decision i think uh, i think usman will ragdoll him i think he'll take him down i think he'll strike with him as much as he needs to just like before when, when we were predicting it before, as soon as Usman realizes he can't strike with Masvidal, he will try to take him down. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Usman tried it, popping out the jab, was successful with the jab, right? But as soon as he found that Masvidal switched kicks and able to cover distances too quick for him and not able to trade properly on the on the on the feet, he's gonna switch and he's going to switch protocols, and he's going to go and try and take him down. I see that game plan not changing. I see both more prepared, more conditioned individuals ready for specialized opponents, but I feel like Usman will still beat Masvidal. I don't think it will be quite a 50-43 again, 
But I believe he will beat him. Yeah. I will believe he will beat him. Uh, look, Masvidal might take a round. Yeah, well, you got to understand that Usman had six days in those as well. That's, again, another counter-argument. I mean, Usman's been on something of a hell of a win streak. He beat Gilbert Burns, and Gilbert Burns was way above Masvidal. So, my money's on Usman. My money's on Usman by yeah. decision. I would definitely see that happening. Yeah. And I, I just think Usman's conditioning and his wrestling is just so far up there. And I know Jorge's got a gas tank when he does have a specialized camp, but I feel like Usman's size and weight advantage definitely plays a huge yeah. factor. The the only... Th- look, you would think with Usman's body, he would slow down in the later rounds, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. He doesn't gets better. He's trying to get better because he knocked out Gilbert Burns in one of the second... Third was, round. Third round. There you third go. round with a jab. Yeah, third round with a jab. And he's just he's very durable. Very ju- he's, he's got so many takes you can't just be like, oh, yeah. but Jorge might have a puncher's chance. You, it, I would bet the house on Usman. Okay. I would yeah. bet the house on Usman. Me too. Me too. Um, another one that's coming up in uh, UFC 260 as the co-main event is uh, Zhang Weili versus mm-hmm. Rose Namanunez. Now, there's been a lot of... Oh, there's been a bit of hype around it just because Rose has been saying certain statements like yeah. better red than dead and she doesn't like communism and she's all for freedom. And yeah. it seems to be taking more of a China versus America kind yeah. of fight, uh, which is a bit weird. It's a bit strange. It's a bit strange. We don't typically see it. Right. But uh, uh, to be honest... I don't know that they were just throwing politics into it, but Z- Z- Wiley Zhang is very, very humble. I mean, yeah, very humble and even had pretty good responses to... Um. Yeah, it, it was a bit weird. It was a bit weird because Rose. Rose is usually very soft spoken, so it was very out of character. Yeah, right. it's very very out of character. And our last fight was a a grueling, well, well, one of the best female fights we've ever seen. But one one grueling, um, close close decision against uh Joanna and Jacek. Yeah. So now for her to fight young uh, Zhang Weili, who is obviously a much larger fighter than yeah. her, um, it's not. I don't think it's the best matchup for for Rose to yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that point because I we like. I mean, Rose is nothing against her. It's just Zhang Weili has just put on so many good performances, and she's incredibly well rounded. I mean, the in the UFC, she's kind of steamrolled through, and that. Fight against Joanna Jacek was was uh, honestly probably one of the greatest, if not one of the greatest, female fights of all time. Uh, it's uh, as we know, we watched that card. We and, they, and people were saying, "Oh yeah, that saved the card." Uh, she retained the title. She's had it, and she's her previous fights. When you w- go back and watch her highlights, she's just ridiculously strong. She's very good in the clinch, and she's just well rounded. She uses a Knees and elbows really well, and she just has a good ground of pound. So it's Rose has never really done Rose has done really well against strikers. We don't really see too much of her wrestling because she lost up. Don't forget, she lost to Andre, yeah, Andre previously. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious to see how she goes against uh Whaley on the ground, yeah, that, that that's true. But when we were able to see Whaley versus um. Young Jacek, you could see, look, that the, the, there's just like levels to grit and yeah. holy shit, yeah. Whaley just kept kept going and kept yeah. going. You could tell 
I, I don't see output being an issue here. And I just feel like Whaley will have the harder, harder strikes because she's a much larger, tougher mm -hmm. female, right? But the thing with Rose is the way she beats Whaley, I think, is relies hugely on her footwork. She's very, very good at distance control. Very good at just coming shy of the punch and getting back in. I think that is the way she beats Whaley. Avoids the takedowns. Makes sure that she stuffs any takedowns that Whaley puts out there. But but Rose needs to make sure she's in and out of range very, very quickly. Yeah. And she needs to get volume. She yeah. needs to get volume at all. Because she's not... I bet you right now she's not going to hit harder way than Whaley. Yeah. I think there's hardly any female fighters out there that hit harder than Whaley. The argument for Rose going around is that she's beat Joanna Jacek twice and it was clear cut the first time was by a knockout. The second time was by... I think it, I think it was by the decision. I don't know. It was quite some time ago. But she's been there twice. And the argument that people are saying, oh, well, Whaley Zhang versus Joanna Jacek was quite uh, close, they say. A lot of people argue... There's quite some people argue that... You know, Joanna Jacek won, but Rose is like, nah, I beat her clearly twice and you couldn't put her away. Mm. So that's the argument that people are saying on Rose's behalf, So, which is which is a fair argument. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And the, the thing with Rose is she's got really good footwork. Um, she, she's obviously, she always has high amount of volume and a high, high volume of, of strikes especially. But the thing is, that's the only way that she could beat Whaley. Whaley... She's able to grapple. She's able to take you down. And the power in her strikes is she's relentless. And she's she's incredibly aggressive with her strikes. When she finds you hurt, she will run after you and, and just... She sees red, right? I don't see Rose beating Whaley, to be honest. I think Whaley beats Rose. And it could be... I believe she will knock out Rose. I, I think Rose is very durable. But I, I, I think Whaley beats her. I think Whaley wins by decision. I think Whaley knocks her out. Yeah. We'll knocks her out in the... One of the later rounds? Second or third second round. Second or third round, okay. I think, Jay, I think Jane Whaley is just... She's just the new standard for female fighters right now. And I know Rose is very good. Yeah. She's super, super good at uh, range control. Like her... She's got, like, good like, vision mm -hmm. for able to look at strikes and being able to come in and out of distance, right? I just feel like Whaley, she has no issue with output and her strikes are so much heavier and harder than someone like Rose. I feel like Rose is severely undersized against Whaley. And uh, I, I totally see Whaley beating Rose, unfortunately, because they're both very good fighters. Um, I just think uh, Whaley is just a level above Rose, that's all. Yeah. yeah. The third title fight also on the card is Shachenko versus Andre. Now, without getting into too much depth, I honestly believe this is a clear-cut win for Shachenko. I think most people would, uh, would say that. Now, I do actually want to check the odds on that yeah. because... It <laughs> Let's be real. When most fights against Shevchenko, uh, she is the betting favorite. And the, the, the issue is uh, with having that, those dominant performances, if someone scores a round against you, that's considered significant and that you're slipping. Mm. And, th and that's what happened uh, 
was it against Felicia Spencer? Yeah. Felicia Spencer and Felicia Spencer maybe won maybe one round against Shevchenko and uh and everyone lost their mind over they were like how how could she? How could Shevchenko give a round to Felicia Spencer? And then she head kicked her into oblivion. Yes. <laughs> and then it was just Shevchenko is she's too high of She's so far above the rest of her division. She's been a, the last loss she had was to Amanda Numez, mm. and we were talking the, the the issue with the women's division is just there's not enough talent pool. So we were saying that the uh, we, there needs to be like a trilogy between Tachenko and uh, Amanda Numez, and I think it will be the first ever female trilogy in the UFC. Yes, that's why I also believe, and that is definitely a worthy trilogy. However, on the on Andrea's side, uh, she's got a strong wrestling background. I mean, she was the one who picked up Rose and slammed her down and knocked her out for your uh, for your slam. She's got pretty crisp boxing, I would say. She's got good hands, mm-hmm. definitely, uh, and she's got a strong. She's got a solid chin. Uh, I can't remember the last time she was knocked out, but then again, you're up against Shachenko, who's a, like a kickboxing powerhouse. She's got phenomenal footwork. You know, you've seen this across because she's actually uh, got a very... Uh, she's actually been dancing ever since she was a little girl as well. So she's got insane, insane footwork. And she's got really quick, like, was it back, like, roundhouse kicks and... Spinning back kick as spinning well. Spinning back kick. And she's got, you know, it's seen it's, that can be extremely deadly. Uh, she's also, uh, was it, I remember she beat someone via a crucifix uh, and then just... Punched him through the cru- put him sorry put a go into a crucifix position and just lay down elbows on her and punches, mm-hmm. so she's incredibly well rounded. I just I, th- I kind of just feel like this is Shachenko's fight. It just I feel like this is just one to keep her active it because it's been a while since she's fought. That's what I believe. Look, I I actually think Jessica and Joyce actually poses a few uh, problems for Shevchenko. And Andrade's got much better at closing distance, and she's in a weight class where she's actually a little bit more favorable now. And her shots are hard and crisp. And I think if she can cut distance against Shevchenko very quickly, she does have to get past uh, Shevchenko's legs. Um, yeah, like her, she always uses her front leg also to control a little bit of distance as well. But you have to be worried about her. Uh, Ryan Haske, her rear Ryan Haske, as well as her spinning back kick, which she also uses to control a little bit of range. But looking at the uh, looking at the the betting odds right now, Valentina is a heavy favorite at minus four hundred, mm-hmm. and Andrade is a moderate underdog at plus three hundred. So for Australia, we don't really use the minus and plus shit. It's a bit weird. Yeah, we do like to the dollar or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we use uh, so a dollar twenty five for our Valentina, which means if you bet a dollar, you get. 25 cents profit um with andras it's uh three dollars 95 so you quadruple you pretty much quadruple your money if andras wins followed by that is uh if you were to go on tapology or show dog a lot of people actually will review fights and actually do their own predictions uh 93 percent uh are predicting that shevchenko will win (laughs) seven percent believe that andras will win now the majority of the people that think a drive will win actually believe she will win by KO, and that there is some truth to that. A has got cracker power, and she can look if she can get Shevchenko into uncomfortable pos- positions on the ground and things like that. Look, 
she could she could be a problem. She really, really could. The, the only issue is covering that distance. Shevchenko is very good at distance control, similar to Rose. However, she was able to pick up Rose, get her in a pretty weird position, um, and slam her on her head. She's she's a bit of a powerhouse, to be honest. I think Shevchenko's severely favoured in this fight, and there's good reason, because obviously, skill-wise and technically-wise, she's much more technically sound than Andrade. However, Andrade, if she was to cover the distance, you know, she could do damage. It's... And the issue with that thought is, though, when have we ever really seen Shevchenko get properly, properly rocked? Not often. Not often. Not often, right? So the I think a lot of the people that are betting on Shevchenko believe that she's going to win by decision. Uh, and the other maybe 30% believe she's going to win by KO. Um, look, w- when I think about it, though, it's it's hugely in Shevchenko's favor. She's so dominant in the flyweight division, yeah. uh, and Andrade is you know she's she's doing much better now, and she's in a weight class where she's uh, you know she's performing very well. But Valentina is in her prime. She's thirty three years old, opposed to Jessica Andrade at twenty nine years old, and she's got a clear height and reach advantage. She's got uh, four inch reach, uh, four hit inch height advantage against Andrade. Uh, her being five foot five and Andrade being five foot one, um, and she's also got about three and a half inch ad- advantage uh, in reach against uh, Andrade as well. So, look, Valentina is expected to dominate this weight class for a considerable amount of time, and the unfortunate thing for Andrade is she's most likely being overlooked because Valentina is. Such a heavy favorite. I mean, for you to bet on Andrade, you get quadruple your money. That's insane. Yeah. That's incredible, right? So it just, it just feels like another mismatch, like it was between Amanda Nunes and Megan, Megan Anderson. Yeah, it does feel like that, and that seems to be uh, a little bit more. It, it seems to be a little bit more common in the in the female divisions than it is in the males, because often the males have a lot more punching power. They are a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, and they have the ability to actually, you know, there's a higher probability of them knocking them out despite being the underdog, all right, and being hugely, uh, you know, there are huge dip- discrepancy in technical skill. Uh, the I, I would say that Shevchenko will beat Andrade and she will beat her by decision. I think uh, Andrade is is very durable and I feel like although Shevchenko will probably land a few of those famous roundhouse kicks and uh, perhaps um, spinning back kicks as well. However, I think she, she will beat Andrade handedly. I feel like this is a huge mismatch, but I wouldn't be surprised if Andrade um, perhaps took a round or two because Andrade, she can... She's able to cut distance and she's got much better at it over uh, her previous fights. And when she does hit, the uh, crack of a punch, very crisp boxing that she has. And she always has the ability to take her down if she really uh, believes that there's a discrepancy in on the feet. So what would you think? Who do you think takes this fight? Obviously, Shuchenko versus Shuchenko. Obviously. Yeah, but by what? Oh. Head kick second round. Really? Yeah. think so. Why yeah. is that? Well, we just feel like she's going to wear her out, feel her out in the first round. And then I reckon she's just going to finish her off in the second round. I just... 
it's, I just feel like this is the same way I felt like I was Amanda Nunes versus Megan Anderson. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Shachenko is going to take it down to the ground. I don't feel like there's going to be any chance with that with a dredge. I think it's honestly going to be either by a knee or an elbow or a head kick. Right. That's how I feel like she's going to knock her out and yeah, and then probably be a TKO or a knockout, either one of the two. That's how I feel like it's going to go. Mm-hmm. If not, second round, third, third round. Right. I just don't see this fight lasting. Yeah. Yeah. And especially Andrej, who's very tough. She's not going to want to want it to last. She's going to look more, try and get that. Um, she's going to be quite reckless. She's almost like a brawler. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's going to cost her. Yeah. I just, maybe if, it's a little if bit If she negative. walks in and get, if by cutting that distance, she walks in and gets caught. Yes. That's yeah. definitely. That, that, could, that could be an issue as well. Yeah. Um, so lastly, we'll, I just want to bring up Uriah Hall versus Chris Weidman. Now, that's not the first time this f- fight has happened. This is the rematch. Yeah. Uriah versus uh, Chris Weidman happened, uh, well, quite. 2000 and, I think it was 2000. Well, it was quite some time ago. Yeah, he, he, he uh, lost to Chris Weidman by knockout in the first round at Ring of Combat 31. Uh, and that was back in 2010. So this is 11 years later that they're having a rematch. And to be honest, I think that this will be a completely different result. I think Uriah Hall takes this. Uh, do you, well, Uriah Hall has been doing pretty well lately. He's been on a bit of a winning streak. Three-fight win streak after losing to Paula Costa. Yeah. And Chris Weidman, he's had a bit of a rocky past few years. I mean, last year he fought, he got a decision win over Omari um, Akamedov, but 2019 he lost to Dominic Reyes in the first round, mm-hmm. and then he lo- in 2018 he lost to Ronaldo Souza, and then 2017 he lost to uh, on April or and then he ca- well he beat Kevin Gastelum by yep. submission third round 2017, but to April of 2017 also as well we had uh, Greg Almusasi. There was that knee controversy. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah that that, yeah. So it's been a rough uh, couple of years for Chris, but he's come out on the other end. How I see, it, I see what we're gonna see. Uh, sorry, Chris Weidman is not really much of a reckless fighter. He's very calculated. He's very. He wants to be very calm. He's not the one who wants to make those. Uh, wild decisions and right Hall he's always got something up his sleeve he's got mm-hmm. incredibly phenomenal sorry incredibly uh, talented striking uh he very very quick spinning back at himself pretty, yeah he put uh anderson silver away in third round wasn't it I believe in the third round. yeah so how sorry, I, fourth I, I round, don't fourth round yeah and i kind of feel like they both respect each other a lot since they've already fought each other Pardon me. i feel like it's going to go to a decision this one but i think it's going to be a split decision to Rahul. Yeah, I see this being a very competitive fight. However, I do believe, uh, I think Weidman right off the bat, the reason why he had s- some success in the UFC was his wrestling. He obviously had striking ability, but his wrestling um, was very, very good. Now he's came back to that kind of wrestling base now in his last fight uh, against Omari o- Mekadov. Um, and we... I felt like this was a turning point for Wyman for sure. Now, Wyman's beat Uriah Hall in the past. but However, that was 11, 11 years ago. That's a huge amount of time for growth for either gentleman. Now, the thing is, though, I see Uriah Hall coming up. I, I just see Uriah Hall be, beating uh, Chris Wyman in this fight just because he's so much more talented on the feet. He's really grown into uh, especially his physical gifts and things like that. 
And for, for me, I think Weidman is at the tail end of his career. I, I really do. Um, just checking their ages. They're both the same age, both at 36. They're both a little bit out of their prime. And I, I, I don't see that as being a huge factor. However, I think Weidman has taken a lot of very heavy shots. He's taken a lot of punishment throughout his time. However, Uriah Hall... Uh, tends to be the more busy striker and is very dynamic in his movement and usually tries to avoid um, the exchanges as much as he can, which is why sometimes he's given the term that he's a little bit gun-shy, although he has a lot of power and he has great athleticism, um, certainly has a great physique for wrestling and, and fighting, but he seems to a little be a bit gun-shy, which is, tends to be an issue and a criticism of Uriah Hall. He seems to get very anxious and nervous before fighting and really feel the pressure of the moment. Now, I don't know if this will be a factor, but I do want to bring this up. This was supposed to be in UFC 258. Uh, however, it got scrapped. And the reason why it got scrapped was Weidman tested positive for coronavirus. Now, obviously, he's had a bit of time to recover. However, we know that there's discrepancy in some individuals getting COVID. Some of them have nothing at all. Some of them have a lot. We've got uh, Volkanovski. Lost a, uh, not doing so well at the time. He's much better now. However, kind of fucked him up a yeah. fair bit, right? And we've got Chris Weidman. He lost a bit of weight. I think he lost a little bit, maybe like 10, 12 pounds, something like that. I don't know if this is perhaps put a little bit of damage on his body. We know that it also occurred to Hamzat Chemaev and that uh, really really affected his lungs and damaged his lungs and made it very difficult to train. I don't know th if this will affect Chris Weidman's cardiovascular ability. That's why I also tie into this as well. But I feel like if Hall can avoid the takedown from Weidman, I think he's got much crisper, faster strikes than Weidman. And I feel like why the only way Weidman can beat Uriah Hall is by dominating him in the wrestling. And, and basically trying to keep it as long as he can on the ground. He can go for his own submission attempt. We know he's very, he's very good on the ground. Um, but he needs to employ a lot of ground and pound to keep Uriah Hall underneath him. Um, I still see Uriah Hall beating, beating Weidman in this fight. I don't see it being split decision. I see it being a unanimous decision. I think... I think Weidman could take maybe a, a round or make some of the rounds very competitive with his wrestling, perhaps in the very first round where they're dry, they're dry and there's no sweat or anything like that. But in the second and third round, that's where I really see Uriah Hall's um, conditioning as well as his striking ability and movement really take place. And I think Uriah Hall will definitely be Weidman. And I don't think by KO... But I feel like he will dominate Weidman on the feet. And if Weidman has no answer um, for taking down Uriah Hall, uh, he will unfortunately lose to Uriah Hall. And I think, I think there is still work for Uriah Hall to move up through the division. However, Chris Weidman is now moving back to 185 after moving to 205. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which was I consider a mistake. Which I consider was it was a mistake as well. I just feel that Weidman, this is the end of Weidman's kind of career. Yeah. He's only got so many fights left in him. Maybe maybe two or three. Yeah, Otherwise, I see him retiring very soon. Yeah, because he only fights once a year for the past few years. He hasn't been very active. He yeah, moved to light like heavyweight, moved yeah. down to middleweight. It's all been very wishy-washy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't see. Uh, I don't see that. I mean, there's a, there's always the trilogy fight between him and Rockhold. Yeah. Um, that can be dangled out there as perhaps maybe his last fight. However, I honestly I think Weidman. Weidman doesn't have the chin he has anymore, and no. I think that Hall could definitely. And I feel like it take was, advantage of that, and I feel like it was what happened against Gregor Masasius really cracked his chin. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I I, I definitely see. Uh, Hall beating Weidman, I think, by unanimous decision. I know you think split decision. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, competitive rounds for sure. Yeah. But I think Hall takes it. I think Hall takes it for sure. Okay. Um, just finishing up. Thank you very much for listening. A uh, bit of a big podcast today. Yeah. Um, breaking down the the Jake Paul Triller kind of shit show, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the Marega and Diaz stuff, as well as uh, the last fights that happened yeah. on Sunday, which, you know... Probably more people should have been watching rather than the Jake Paul stuff. Yeah, but unfortunately um, they weren't because it wasn't mainstream enough. Plus, we got the hell of a card that we'll be watching on Sunday, which we'll be breaking down. So, not UFC 260, 261. I know we said, I, I think I said 260, it's actually 261 breakdown, uh, which is the first time we're actually going to have fights. So, I question if that actually might change anything for anything, any of the fighters. It will be a little bit different from those that are used to. Um, not fighting in front of uh, a crowd mm-hmm. for you know for the last year or so, so very excited to see that. If you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and if you want to support us, I would head over to our Instagram, our Facebook, and our Twitter. Our Instagram, uh, we post a shit ton of content every day, mm-hmm. usually a few posts a day, um, and you should definitely be watching that. Um, and following us, you know, is a great way to support the podcast and interact with us. We'll always interact with every comment. Yeah, so. plus we are also dropping almost a new interview of guests weekly now. Yeah. Uh, we're taking a lot more time to branch out, which is the next thing I want to bring into. If you know anybody or if you're a person who would be interested in coming on yourself and uh, regardless of what your field is, we've had doctors, we've had fighters, we've had personal trainers, we've had a influ- uh, couple of influencers, we've had psychotherapists, but yeah. Anyone. Anyone. Yeah, so guys, just remember, even though we are mainly focused on combat sports and health, however, we do like to branch out to other areas, okay? Yeah. Other than that, guys, all the best. Thank you. Catch Thank you, you very much. One. Catch up. Bye-bye.